Hello, welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, your real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining us here is Jed Brewer. I'm ready to rock and roll. Well, we're only we'll only be smooth jazzing this evening. Uh-huh. Aren't it? Smooth Dang jazzing. It. There's no rocking nor rolling. With us all day from Mercury, Tennessee is the younger. Well, as I quoted the movie Say Anything before the episode, I will be Peter Gabrieling. Oh. Oh. Straddling genres even as he redefines them. Yeah, I will be in a in a trench coat. Uh Lloyd Doblering. You know, and I'm sure many of the people listening to this podcast are of an age where they have no idea what Say Anything is. They may have seen the GIF. Um, just imagine in your mind what Lloyd Doblering is, and then Google that and find <laughs> out how far off you were. It sounds like it sounds like that weather thing you look at. <laughs> the Doblering. Find out how big the storm system is. It's just a guy with a boombox trying to find a storm front. That's right. I deeply want to already title this episode Dobbler Radar, but that would be even more incomprehensible than our normal episode titles. Man, but that would be a very satisfying one for people of a particular age. Yeah. Yeah. It really, really would. Um, speaking of people of a particular age. Uh-oh. Yeah. It's going the other way. We have a... I don't even know how to classify this emergency. I'm just going <laughs> to call it an emergency and then start describing things. Fair, fair. Um, no, knowing where you're going, I, I, I declare that fair. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give the name because we don't want to call people out, but oh. uh, this was sent to Lee from a Nashville correspondent. Yes. A, a we, have, we have many people in the field. Yes. Uh, the, the field office in, in the greater Nashville area. Uh, we, Lee was sent a... An Instagram page or something that describes itself as a Christian nightclub for young adults. Uh huh. Christian nightclub for young adults in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, um, again, if that's your thing, hey, great. I celebrate it. But e- each of us, as we found out about it, Lee told me and I shared it with, with Jed before we started recording here. And Jed and I had the exact same reaction, which I imagine is the reaction Lee had when he first heard it as well, which is that is a horrifying series of words. I mean, with every that Jed was doing there, I was imagining like the the two different parts of the host in the Eucharist. (laughs) Just like (laughs) as a like, this is so bad. This is so bad. Lord, please hang with me. But like. Just like almost like a drinking game. Wow. Wow. <laughs> we are starting off with even more sacrilege than normal here on the Say That Podcast. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> to compliment that, so this will need a little background. So something, you know, Helen and I have been married for a while now um, and something I've been teasing her with year, for years, which she's been very gracious to, to humor me on. And I think she actually thinks it's funny is whenever we're in a place that's kind of trying to be trendy. Um, I begin flirting with her, um, as my alter ego of club dude. And so it's, Ah, it's always, Hey, what's going on? Hey, Hey, what's going on? What's up? What's up? Hey, what's going on? Hey, I work in finance. How you doing? What's going on? Hey, buy you a drink. What's up? What's up? Work in finance. What's going on? And with that in mind, which delights me every time, the thing that I want to launch now, my new thing is Christian club, dude. Um, that, that same guy. 
But oh. at this nightclub, and I, I, here's here's my initial way to go with it. I think we can probably <laughs> dial it in better. But but here's my initial thing. So you know, give me a second, get in character. Hey, what's going on? Hey, hey, what's up? Hey, I'm a worship how pastor. What's going on? Hey, how you doing? What's you up? Talking like that. Hey, hey, buy you coffee. Hey, what's going on? Hey, hey, I don't know if you know this, but like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, good. Yeah, good. Hey. Couldn't help but notice you across the club here. Just wondering, just wondering, just wondering, uh, what's Lord showed in your quiet time recently? <laughs> oh, for the win! For the win! Oh, that is so unpleasant. <laughs> Drive Alexis, what's up? I have an unspoken song request. Hey, so, like, okay, I, I, this is just a question. I want to see where you guys take it. How could we creatively include a baptistry in the Christian nightclub? Like, how would that work out? I haven't been to a lot of nightclubs, so I don't know how that would work out. But you have to be able, if someone actually comes to know the Lord, we have to be able to baptize them. So how can we include that as part of the nightclub experience? I think that's a, special, a special night, beats and baptisms. <laughs> nice. Nice. Like, there's some churches where they, they, you know, they roll, they'll sprinkle you any, any week, but, you know, most of your, your mainline Protestant denomination churches, we, we save that for a certain couple times a year, you know, get in line, come on up and get dunked. So I think, I think beats and baptism is a strong, a strong starting point. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I think in general, and I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but you know, amongst, you know, our, our, our club enjoying friends and amongst the people who like dating shows, I think there's a little bit of a crossover audience there. And the thing about the dating shows, right. Is it's always about the hot tub, right? People are always, they're Uh, hanging out in the hot tub. Right. And that's, you know, You know, and, and like the Christian nightclub could have a combo baptismal pool slash hot tub, right? Wow. Like, you know, really cover a lot of bases in one go. And that's uh, how you, that's how you get access to the hot tub with these Christian ladies is that you have to give your life to uh, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and, boom. and, and submit to the rite of baptism. You know, sometimes at nightclubs, you have to demonstrate you you have to demonstrate that you're over 21 otherwise you yep, get the yep. x on your hand at the christian nightclub you have your born again age like oh. written on your hand oh yeah like what's Dude. your what's your second like how old are you in the lord <laughs> but Man, yeah, matt's in pain that hurt that hurts so bad <laughs> the, the other thought i had is like Someone trying to get a second stamp for their like recommitment. It's like, no, we don't do that here. Yeah. One date per yeah. person. This just in on the Instagram page for the Christian nightclub. DC talk is having a reunion tour. They will be in person at the nightclub. You know, that's right. You know, that's right. And I'm, I'm envisioning a whole new product line. So like when I was in a teenager, right? Like something the Christians were all into were the parody t-shirts, right? Like, yes. Sure, know, right. Instead of Yokiero Taco Bell, it's Yokiero Jesus, you know, instead of. That was a of, really low effort one. A breadcrumb yeah. and fish. Exactly right. Exactly right. What I'm talking about is all made in Italy and it's parodies, but it's parodies of like, you know, couture stuff, Gucci, Prada, et cetera. But we've we've turned this into kitschy Christian things. It's still like four hundred dollars a T-shirt, though. So you know, it's still it's the same flex, but you get your little bit of kind of you know there's an ichthus on it. 
Yes. Sure, it's like the Louis Vuitton print, but it's all crosses and fishes. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I'm on the, I guess they're, they're launching with a, a, a one night. So I'm on the Eventbrite page. Um, so they invent highlights. DJ music, which I do find is one of your better types of music in a club environment. You want the DJ music. Sure, yes. And here's a, you know, this can be a series of phrases that I will sound very wrong coming out of me, but I'm the one who's reading it, so we do what we can. <laughs> Get lost in the sauce of clean, wavy music and groovy tracks that will keep you dancing all night long. So there's a lot of awful things in there. Again, not objectively, but for me saying it. And But one thing I have to point out, and you both do more work sort of in the music space and lead with young people than I do at this point. So uh, has Groovy made a comeback, or is that a, as weird as I think it is? And I think Paul Simon killed it, like, in 1978. Well, yeah. A number of things. Uh, so we've got, you know, this is fine. Meet and greet. Connect with other young adults in Nashville during our meet and greet session. Whether you're looking to build community, make new friends, or expand your network, you'll find a warm and welcoming community here. And that, in, in, in that lies the heart of, I think, uh, we don't want to make fun of this too hard because, you know, you're post-college or whatever. It's hard to meet people. You like, you like Jesus. You like uh, the thumpy EDM music. That's cool. But it's just the having to brand it as explicitly Christian that is, that is so, so unnecessary. I love that yeah. they can't get away from the church language, like that you have a nightclub, an unapologetic nightclub, and we're using the phrase build community. Yeah. Um, those things are too loud to build community in. Like, you can't build community when your heart is pumping out of your chest with the oomch, 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 oomch. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I'm definitely not of the nightclub ilk, never have been, but I have some friends, you know, in that kind of music and, you know, d- engage and whatever. And that's cool. And it was, a, oh, we went, it was great. We met these people and danced on. Oh, it's cool. What was the name of the person you met? No idea, but he was really cool. That's more of the, that's more of the vibe. As Lee said, you know, you can't hear. And then the last one is to your point, Lee, positive vibes, experience a night filled with positivity, excitement, and fun. We're all about uplifting your spirits and creating memorable moments. Oh, I think people who go to normal nightclubs are, are into uplifting spirits and memorable moments, but maybe in a different way than these people are talking about. Yeah. Like physically taking spirits and lifting them up to yeah. propose a toast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's worth noting, you know, that, that, uh, that last part, the positive vibes, like that's copy. You could have basically stolen from, you know, like burning man, like that's, yeah. That's not like an exclusive value proposition. Yeah, there are very few nightclubs. Again, I don't, I don't frequent the nightclub scene myself, but I, I imagine there are very few that advertise themselves as having really dour vibes. If you're going to the the highly esteemed metal hangout, the Cobra Lounge in Chicago, that they, they, they might, but I don't think any of these people are in danger of going to the Cobra Lounge. Yeah, no, there definitely are some heavy metal environments, but even then, there's a little more of a a fun kitschy version of that. It's not like come get sad. <laughs> Goth time. Like emo night isn't real emo. It's like, you know, fun poppy emo. Yeah. Yep. I am curious under the, about this event, they have it listed as three hours and that does not capture the spirit of EDM. Right. Charge Ed, which three hours would those be? 
8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Really? Yes. That is not it, my friend. That is <laughs> that is not it. It, it. In fact, true facts, part of the reason, like, as someone who likes EDM music a lot, and I make a certain amount of it, like, part of the reason why I love EDM festivals is because I can see DJs I like in the middle of the day. When they're doing a club set, dude, they don't start to, like, one in the morning. That's so, right. Um, yeah. that, that 8 PM to 11 PM thing, man, that's, that, that's Dude, not that scene. Like in, like in Europe, they don't even eat dinner until 9 PM. Yeah. Much less like digest and then get on a train and go to a club. That's like midnight. Yeah. Although it just occurred to me, this is a Saturday night. They have to end it early so that they don't get in the way of getting people getting up oh. for church the next day. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> that is exactly what it is oh <laughs> yes i was wow i was i had had occasion recently to uh be walking by an edm festival in downtown chicago i was leaving a, a live theater event and by that i mean professional wrestling um so i'm i'm done with my evening it's like 10 o'clock or whatever had a lovely night at the united center heading back to the train and there were a lot of people in a lot of mesh outfits who were starting their evening. Yeah, they were on a Wednesday. <laughs> a lot of them wearing sunglasses for some reason. That's interesting. I'm not sure why Weird. that is. Well, well anyway, on, but hmm. you wouldn't think it necess- necessitated the, uh, the sunglasses. <laughs> so, yeah, I think this is a, a gentler emergency than we, than we maybe have, have been doing recently. Cause again, we want to say, you want to make a nice space for people to be able to, to dance and, and connect and feel, you know, maybe not feel pressure to engage in certain behaviors and substances that maybe is, uh, are prevalent in other parts of the, this world. That's a lovely thing. You can just relax about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It doesn't have to be a spiritual experience. You can just want to dance with your friends and have a nice time. That's cool. Jesus is, I think Jesus is in favor of that. You don't have to make it a weird mega church branding thing. I I agree. I do have one uh, question. I'm looking, you know, at these details and the pricing of $28.52 per person. That feels that feels oddly aggressive. Like um Nashville. Yeah, I mean like you can see a pretty good artist. You can see a pretty good DJ set for 30 bucks, man. Um that's Will your that's spirits noteworthy. be uplifted? In a sense. Not in the same <laughs> sense, again. It really depends on any number of things. Well, um, you know. I mean, I've I've been to 12 South in Nashville, and the, the lattes cost like $7. So I guess some of this tracks in that respect. Well, in keeping with the, the megachurch uh, aspect of this, other than the videos and the branding, it's all, you know, it's all of, of a... You'd recognize if you saw it, which, you know, whatever, not good or bad, just a thing. One very mega churchy thing about this is saying it's in Nashville. When you click on the Eventbrite page, it gives you an address in Madison, Tennessee, which is quite a bit north. Uh Yep. That's where my people are from. That's where my mom's people are from, is Madison, Tennessee. That's not the same thing. I guess with the sprawl as it is, technically Nashville, but... uh, Mm -mm. No, you're... You're on the edge of Goodlettsville at that point, and I yeah. say Goodlettsville like a person who live who comes from Nashville would say it. Goodlettsville. If you're getting in an Uber, 
in downtown Nashville, at 12 South, at the Ryman, any place downtown, downtown. You got a good 30 minute drive ahead of you to get to this, oh, yeah. this club in Nashville, much like I'm sure a church in the same place would describe itself as being in the heart of Nashville. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, it seems like these people are trying to do a nice thing, uh, but you don't, you just be normal about it. That'd be cool. <laughs> That's right. Like, hey, we want to do something positive. You don't have to. One of the, uh, one of the captions on one of their Instagram reels is POV Christians are lit. You don't nope. have to do are that. They? Nope. 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 Not a thing that has to happen. And you made Christians me say that lit. in the microphone. I don't think any of us enjoyed that. So on that, we're going to declare emergency off. And then we want you ah. to find questions. If you have a question for us, you can have those all the way to the end. I'll give you some ways you can touch this. Or you can scroll down to your episode description. Click the links you find there. Question. First question comes in this week and says, how do I deal with bad leadership? Like if someone has a good heart, but just not good at organizing things or leading a team, do I need to just not worry about it and do what I can? You know, every question has a story behind it. Some questions, it's more obvious what the story behind it is. <laughs> uh, so with that in mind, Lee, where do we start off? I have to start out by saying I'm still in pain from the, the, the sentence Christians are lit. Yeah. And um, part it of that was is worse that, with people dancing in a circle behind it. <laughs> part of that is that, that I have teenagers and sometimes I try the young people's phrases and the my children's ability to eye roll is really impressive. <laughs> like their, their ability or their ability to just go, Oh, dad, dad. Oh no. Dad, I mean, no, to be fair, if you're saying lit to your 17 yeah. and 14 year old, isn't that yeah. pretty much the response you're going for? It's, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm eliciting eye rolls at that point, but no, this is a really cool question, man. Um, and the, the interesting thing to me about this is that you, you have a generosity of spirit that I want to recognize here, which is that you're able to see this nuance in, you're looking at a person who is not good at organization, not good at leading a team, not good at, uh, running things in an efficient way. And yet you're able to recognize, and yet this person has a really good heart. That's like, I just, I just want to, I just want to take a second and say like, like your, um, your generosity is really, really cool here. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying that as a, as a way to say you need to stay put where you are working in this ministry or blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying that. But I just I just want to give you some kudos here because um, there there's a lot to be said for just bailing, and that would make perfect sense. Um, at the same time, I think um, given the generosity that you have as in the way that you ask this question, um, I, I think you have some analysis to do, and I think that's where that's where we need to focus our energy is. Let's do some analysis. What is the benefit of this organization? Um, what compromises based on the lack of organization at the leadership level, what compromises are you having to make that are causing you distress at the same time are the results of you being a part of this worth that, um, at, 
in anything that you're going to be involved in, there's going to be there's going to be places where you have to have give and take. Where this part works really really good, this part is annoying, or this part is not that great. Um, and you have to have a cost benefit analysis of is it worth is is what I'm getting out of this worth what I'm putting into it? I think you have some critical analysis that needs to be made. And it needs to not be all that much about feelings, but about goals and health. Um, what are your goals in being a part of this organization, a part of this group, a part of this team, or a part of this family? And what are the things that are healthy about it? And what are the things that are maybe unhealthy or even toxic about it? So in some ways, my response is kind of vague because we really need some more information. And by the way, we are available for follow-up. Um, questions. We're available for follow-up questions on the podcast. We're also available for outreach. So if you just want to email us and, and, and talk more about the situation in, in, in a more detailed sense, we're very glad to do that. I think the, the, in broad strokes, the thing that I want to say here is that organizations can be run by people who do certain things well and certain things poorly. And the job that you have to figure out is what am I willing to put up with and what do I need to create a boundary around? And, and is the result of me being a part of this group, this team, this organization, is it worth putting up with the things I'm going to have to put up with? I don't think there's any organization anywhere that is so perfectly or efficiently or beautifully run that no one involved in that organization will ever have to make a compromise. I just don't think that exists. The real question is, am I aware what the compromises are and are they worth the results of me putting my energy and my time into what we're doing? A fantastic place to start things off. Jed, where are we picking up there? Love all that for sure. Uh, Just add a couple quick things. Kind of in a big picture sense, I think one of the things that's very, very common around Christian stuff that I think is not a good way to look at the world is this idea of if it's not forever, then it doesn't count. Like, you know, I'm guessing, um, I don't know, but I'm guessing that you're maybe talking about like an organization you volunteer with, um, you know, and you're trying to figure out what you want to do. And if you volunteer for a month or for six months or for a year and like, I think it's been good. I'm ready to do something else. That's fine. Um, uh, this idea that, you have to do this for the next 40 years or, you know, just vanishes. That's just not true. And that's, that's not how anything works at all. Um, basically everything in life exists for a season and then that season changes. Uh, you know I mean? Even things that are very, very long term, right? Like they may continue, but, but they also change internally at the same time. Right. So like, um, you know, if, if you were to get married, you know, hopefully you'll be married for a very long time. But even though the, the marriage would continue, you would go through specific seasons of that marriage and, and things would, would grow and they would change and they would evolve over time. You know, nothing, nothing stays static and nothing really should stay static. So we want to be clear on that. And with that in mind, you can put up with a pebble in your shoe for a while. You're not going to put up with it forever and you shouldn't yeah. try to. Um, and again, I think it's kind of a, a fairly uniquely culturally Christian thing to be like, no, I started, you know, volunteering here, you know, a year ago and, you know, I, I can't, 
I can't leave unless they turn to bad doctrine, which is actually something I've heard people say, you know, from pulpits, which is just straight up silly. You can, you can leave anything you want to anytime you want to. That's, that's fine. Um, I think what a mature person recognizes is things work for a season. And then if they're going to continue past that season, they kind of have to change because that's just the nature of life. Um, there are things that I can put up with for a while that I'm not going to be put up, be able to put up with forever. And that I, I probably can't put up with forever. And so here's the thing that I would encourage you to think about is know what options are available and what your exit strategy is before you're frustrated. Mm. One of the things that I think causes a lot of people, fo- a lot of folks problems is they don't want to have any planning for what might come next and then they get to a point where they're mad and they feel resentful and they feel pissed off. And now they're trying to figure all that out and process that anger at the same time. That's a lot to deal with. And it's very, very hard to do all of that well. But if you can look at a situation and be like, you know, I'm, I'm volunteering here and, um, you know, it's, it's good for now. I think it's a good fit for now. I don't know that it's going to be a good fit uh, two years from now. And so here are the things that I may want to look at after that. Here are the the ways that I think I could exit this thing in a graceful way when that time comes. Having that stuff in place, um, it is much better to have it and not need it. You probably will need it ultimately. And I think it's going to give you a lot more peace about the situation overall. You know, knowing that you've thought through kind of what comes next and, and how to get there is going to make it a lot easier to approach moments of transition with less anger and with less turmoil. I think that's really fantastic stuff from both of these guys here. It, I think it's also worth considering, you know, the answer will be different in different situations and maybe at different seasons as Jed's pointing out there. What makes for good and bad leadership? Because yeah. there are, there's good and bad leadership. There's competent and incompetent leadership. There's efficient and inefficient leadership. And then there is a big, a kind of a large tent of leadership that does things that aren't the way you would do things. And there's a lot of crossover between those Venn diagrams, um, but it's not total at all times. And I, I would especially point to if, if Jed is, as Jed presumes is right, which I think is pretty safe in this, this show. If we're talking about maybe this is an organization I volunteer with, or I'm doing something at church Ministry stuff often runs with a different rhythm and a different set of kind of ideals because the goals are different than if you've maybe worked in a business environment or things that are very bottom line. We want every meeting to be as short as it can. We want efficiency. We want to um, do things uh, the best possible use of our resources. Um, Sometimes when it comes to church and ministry stuff, Yes, this meeting goes on 20 minutes longer than it strictly speaking needed to because everybody went around and gave their opinion, even if their opinion wasn't necessarily germane or they're not the decision maker. And if you're in a work meeting, you wouldn't do it that way. The the, you know, the, the director of your department isn't going to reach out to the least senior person just to make sure they feel heard. But in a, in a ministry environment, sometimes that happens and can be good. It can get out of hand. We don't, nobody has time for a four hour meeting every week, but there are some, especially if you come from an environment that prioritizes efficiency and use of resources and use of time. Sometimes there are going to be environments where those priorities are different. So the way things are going to be done are different. 
And that's that's fine. As as Lee and Lee pointed out in the last episode when it comes to you don't have to have a perfect reason for everything as Jed pointed out there. That doesn't mean you have to stay there forever. That doesn't mean you have yep, to keep yeah. doing that if it's driving you nuts. But that's right. There there is such a thing as this is not ideal to me, or maybe it's just not ideal, but it's the way this is gonna happen. This is just yeah, this meeting goes on too long, but this is the way this meeting goes and has for years, and we just kind of work around it, and that's how it is. Um, there's maybe stuff you can influence and change, but probably not as much as you might think if you're young and charging into a new environment. Um, doesn't mean that's a bad instinct, but it, you definitely want to work to get the lay of the land and to build up a lot of equity and trust before you start throwing that around. If you have not been brought in with a specific... um kind of mandates to, Hey, help us do this. So sometimes well-run organizations will do that. But, um, that's a, another layer to this thing about Jed. Did you have one more thing on this? Yeah, just very quickly, just to build on, on what you're saying, because I think that's great stuff. Every business in the world, every organization in the world has a point where it doesn't matter how right you are with your suggestions. They're going to do what they want the way they want. Like, Every organization in the world has a point where that is what they are going to do. That's true for Fortune 100 companies. It's true for tiny little nonprofits. One of the things that can be really useful to know as a person who's an employee or a volunteer is how much leeway do I have? To what extent are they prepared to take input and actually consider and maybe make some changes? Because at a certain point, again, everybody's like, this is what we do. This is the way we do it. If you don't like it, I don't want to tell you. Um, they probably won't say it in those words, but that, that point comes everywhere. Knowing where that point is and the amount of room you've got and the amount of leeway you've got can be really helpful in not banging your head against a wall and being able to make decisions about how long you want to stay in a given environment. Yeah, yeah and I, I will take that back exactly as Jess said there to the point of there is um, bad leadership, which is, uh, hey, we got to get out of here now because this is... Yeah. They're taking advantage. They're trying to wring all the time they can out of me. They're not building into me. These are all negative. You know, if you don't, if you're not going to paycheck, then you, you know, you decide how you spend your time. Um, but then there is just, ah, this person's doing the best they can. And the best they can is really driving me a little insane on this. And uh, the, that may change the calculus on amount of time, on amount of investment. You don't have to push through that and do even more. You don't have to, um, as, as Jed said, you don't, maybe you don't need to break immediately, but maybe you don't want to be around there forever. That's perfectly fine as well. At the end of the day, if you are in an, a volunteer capacity, then I, th- I think the three of us would agree. The leadership has some mandate, some responsibility to make this an appealing thing for you to show up to and to spend your time and energy and talent on. And yes, there are some things where it's going to be challenging and it's going to be, you know, you're serving people have a real need and that is certainly the reward in of it itself. But there's also not making things harder than it needs to be, which you're not, you are not wrong to expect from people who are in a leadership position and asking you to, to give your time and trust to the way they're doing things. Mm-hmm. So with that said, we'll move on to our second question here comes in and says, what can you do to stay encouraged when you feel stuck? I think it's another great question. Lee, where do we start off here? Um, this is, this is a cool question. Um, first of all, I'm I'm sorry that you're feeling stuck, whatever that is, um, in your life, whether that's your job or your ministry or relationship or whatever it is. Um, that is a, that, 
that's a sucky feeling. And I'm sorry you're experiencing that. I know for me, um, times that I've felt stuck, there've been a couple of things that have, uh, that have been really, really good for me in those, in those seasons. Um, one is I need to have the right people in my life. And when I say that, um, what I mean is you need to have people that have a couple of qualities, uh, that you have close relationships with one, you need to have people in your life who absolutely have your back. They see what makes you unique and cool. They celebrate the things about you that are you that are just different and awesome. They see what you bring to the world and why you're an important part of the of of what we're doing here. I need those kinds of people in my life. I need to have relationships with people who dig what I bring to the party. And two, I need those same people to not be afraid to hold me to account. Um, I need those same people to be people who are not afraid to push back, not afraid to ask hard questions, not afraid to look me in the face and say, that's not it, man. I love you. And I think you're awesome, but that ain't it. I need those kinds of people in my life. And in times where I have felt um, stuck, times where I've felt like, I don't know where I'm going next, or I don't know what's going to happen next. Those have been those kinds, those relationships and those people have been the people that have pulled me out of that. People who absolutely have my back and aren't afraid to push back. Um, so I would encourage you to to foster the, those kinds of relationships and have those kinds of conversations. By the way, the kinds of conversations where you say to somebody, "There is a welcome mat on my life, and it's a welcome mat because I trust you and because I know that you care about me." For you to ask me whatever question you want, for you to be able to push back. The other thing is, in keeping with having people that see what makes you unique and what makes you tick and what makes you uh, an important part of the party, um, lining, getting my life lined up with what I was made to do, finding purpose in myself uh, for my life and in myself that that lines up with who I am, um, and getting stuff for me to be involved in that gets me excited, that gets me hyped, that gets me fired up and that I am uniquely gifted to do. This is something I truly believe about you, whoever you are and um, wherever you live and whatever brought you to the place of asking this question. I 100% believe that there has never ever in the history of the world been anybody like you. And I 100% believe there will never ever in the history of the world ever be anyone like you again. And I'm, I'm completely and dead serious. There is something that I believe God has made you for that no one else can do the way you can do it. And the big question for me in my life. And as I start my day every day is I want to find that thing and I want to get involved in it. I think you need people in your life that encourage you and people that are willing to stand up to you. And, and I think that you need to access that thing that makes you the completely and totally unique and amazing person that's never existed and will never exist again. And then get involved in that thing, because I think that is going to set you free from this feeling of being stuck. That's an excellent point. A great place to start that off. And Jed, where do we go from there? That's awesome stuff. These are just a couple of things that have been useful to me. I, 
I've had a lot of times in my life where I've definitely felt stuck. I think that's been kind of a a besetting struggle for me in certain seasons. So this is stuff that's helped me. If it's if it's helpful to you, that's awesome. I think one thing that's been really useful to me is to find an arena of life, even if it's a small one, where I'm not stuck. Um, I think it's very, very rare to have a point in your life where you are not capable of making progress at anything. Um, I, I guess that's technically possible, but I think it's super, super rare. I think when people say that they're stuck, what they what they often mean is, and certainly what I often mean is, there's you know a couple of areas of life that I super care about, and I really want to see some growth and some progress, and it's just not happening right now um, for all kinds of reasons. But if I can get in touch with other aspects of my life, because we're all multifaceted individuals, if I can find those other arenas of life where I'm not stuck, I think being able to see some growth and some progress and being able to savor that growth and that progress for me, that's been hugely helpful. Um, I think, um, if you start to, you know, all, all three of us on this podcast have, have done ministry work with people going through really extreme circumstances in their lives. And, you know, one of the things that can happen when people just feel super, super beat down is they kind of give up on cause and effect. They kind of get to a point where it's like, Man, it doesn't matter what I do. Like, it it doesn't matter how hard I work. It doesn't matter how hard I push. Everything's a disaster all the time. It just doesn't matter. And that's a really despairing place to be. And and if that's where you are, man, I am so, so sorry. And I hope that if that's where you are, I hope you'll you'll reach out and um let us help you figure some things out. I think one of the things about being in a place where you feel like it just there is no cause and effect. It doesn't matter what I do. It's all, you know, just uh, you know, a dumpster fire all the time is that's almost never completely true. There's, there's almost always some areas of life that we could move forward, even if it's not the ones that we really super care about. And so I think being aware, even if it's begrudgingly, I am making progress in this one thing. I think that is helpful. Um, I, I would look at that. The second thing, honestly, is looking at, can you help other people get unstuck? Um, if, if your life is just locked down for the moment, is there something that you can do to get other people unstuck? And there's a few reasons why that's certainly helpful for me. And I think there's a few reasons why it might be helpful for you. The first is you will feel better. Um, and it's okay to do things that are for others, mostly because you'll feel better from doing them. That's fine. Um, I've served a lot of meals to hungry people. I've, I've never had someone stop me and be like, Hey, what's your emotional payoff for this? Is this really just about your emotional needs? It's like, no, I'm. I'm I'm hungry and this is food. I'm glad to get helped. So you're you're allowed to do generous things because it makes you feel better. And so that would actually be a, a great reason to help other people get unstuck. The second thing is all success is team success. And I really want you to think about that. All success is team success. One of the great American lies is of the lone individual who all on their own with no help from anyone had monumental success because that does not exist. That has ne- <laughs> I mean, that, that has never happened once. All success is team success. And it's sometimes easier to be aware of that when you're trying to get somebody else unstuck, that we're kind of operating as a team. And it may give you some insights into how to let other people into your situation, how to um, get some help or some guidance or some advisors on your situation to, to get unstuck. Here's the last piece. And again, this is just stuff that's been useful for me. I hope it's useful for you. 
When you feel stuck, oftentimes part of that's coming from just you are dealing with some kind of injustice in your life. Um, It could be a really, really big, scary injustice. It could be a relatively minor but annoying injustice. But the thing about injustice is you almost never are able to fix the injustice in your own life. If you could, you would have already fixed it and it wouldn't be a problem anymore. It's still going on because you don't have the power to fix it. And that's one of the things that's infuriating and humiliating about injustice. But you can contribute to fixing the injustice in someone else's life. And I think there's a lot to be said for getting into a mode where we join together with other people in fixing injustice, both because you will feel better, it will help them, but also because I think that may swing back around to fixing some of the injustices that, that you are facing. None of those are a quick fix on there's stuff I want to see move forward in my life and it's not happening and it is just draining my will to live. And I get that. And I'm sorry if that's where you're at, but I think these are things they've definitely helped me. I think they're likely to help you. And I definitely think they're worth giving a shot. I think it's fantastic stuff from both of these guys. Um, I, there's a, there's a quote. It is, is not biblical, but it is Roman, which in many ways is pretty close. It's Bible um, times. Sure. Fair enough. Uh, a, a philosopher named Heraclitus who said a thing I think about quite often, which is no one steps in the same river twice. It's not the same river and they're not the same person. Um, which is a, an interesting statement to me in a summation of the kind of the idea that uh, both these guys are pointing to everything's changing all the time, including you. Um, you may not feel it. You may not, yeah. you may feel like you get up every day and do the same thing in the same way. I can pretty much guarantee you, you don't. Um, there's a lot of variation, uh, no matter how much it feels like you, you know, get up, eat the same breakfast, go to the same job, see the same people, watch the same TV show at the end of the day. If you're in one of those ruts and we've all been there, some of that is a narrative that's building on itself. Because if you're, if you are willing and able to muster the energy to look for the changes and the differences and the little things that are, uh, pro- even maybe not even progressing, progressing is a great goal as, as Judd gave you, but just different. Yeah. Just walking a different way, just taking a different route to work, just, you know, getting, getting the chicken sandwich instead of the hamburger at, at lunch, whatever it is. Just, if you feel there's a, a, a theory that uh, Jed and I developed when we worked together years ago, which was, we had a lot of people in situations where uh, things were not great. And a lot of people in situations where things were just pretty much actively on fire. And the theory was, um, if you're unhappy, change something. If you're unhappy enough, change anything. Yep. Just change something at random. Go a different way, eat a different thing, listen to a different uh, song, and start doing that a little bit and noticing when it's happening. Because again, the the stuckness sometimes is a a macro stuckness of, you know, I got X amount of time left on this lease, or I've got X amount of time left in school, or, you know, whatever it is. And that can filter into a feeling of constant stuckness and sameness that is probably not as accurate as it feels emotionally. So when we, when we go to look at um, not, not if you can't muster positive, if you can't muster thinking about progress, just start with something that's different. Just look for little differences. I guarantee you they're there. And that can be a way to, to break the mental rut, even if you can't break the, the actual overall stuckness quite yet. Move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously and says, the verse about how if God is for us, who can be against us kind of confuses me. God isn't for everything everyone is doing all the time, right? So how do I know if he is for me in a certain situation? 
Another very cool question. Thank you for writing that in. And Lee, where do we start off here? Super cool question. Tons and tons of places to take this. Um, honestly, the first thing I thought of when I thought about this was the fact that um, if I get a grocery list, I will put the grocery list in order of where the groceries are as you walk from the produce section to the frozen section if I'm at Food City. Because I know where everything is at Food City. But if I'm given a grocery list and I'm told by my wife that I'm to go to Kroger to get these things because there's something that can only be procured at Kroger, I'm completely hosed. I don't know where anything is in Kroger. Kroger is a land of chaos and lawlessness. I just have no idea. I can't organize my brain into where things are at Kroger. There's only so much I know. There's the, I remember um, many years ago on this podcast, I remember Jed talking about some research that he had read about where that a human being could only really have relationships with like a certain number of people. It's and I about don't know 200. If, okay. That's what I, th- I was thinking in my brain. It was about 200 people and, you know, close relationships. The number is much, much lower, but beyond the 200, your brain literally just starts kicking names out. You just. You just, you just can't hold that many people in, in your brain kind of deal. Um, and I think part of my answer to this question is, man, we are talking about a metaphysical situation where we believe in an infinite God who is in relationships with billions of people, uh, where he has a capacity of relationship and thought and organization outside of time with literally billions and billions of people. We're talking about things I cannot fathom in any way. I can't even find my way around Kroger, much less conceptualize how God could organize like the, the good will and the benefit of, of, uh, you know, uh, 20 people, 200 people, uh, a thousand people, a billion people. I just can't fathom these things. Um, I, I don't, I don't, you know, Jed is probably going to take this in some really, really helpful ways. I'm a pastor, so I'm going to do a very pastory thing with this. And so I'm just going to give you that as a caveat at the very beginning. I want to encourage you to follow me on this thread. I don't know the answer to your question, but I do know this. I, I and we believe in a heart who has the capacity to literally bend the universe around whatever, around somehow what is best for you. There is a heart at the center of the universe that wants to hook you up, no matter how bad you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how ashamed you feel about anything that you've ever thought or said or done in your entire life, there is a heart at the center of the universe that literally wants to bend the universe in ways that hook you up, in, in ways that I can't imagine, in ways that I don't understand. He wants, he wants you to have things that are for your best. Sometimes they're not the things that we would have asked for. And sometimes they're not the things that we would have understood, but there is a heart at the center of the universe that wants to hook you up, 
no matter what you've done, no matter who you've been. And if I could encourage you to do anything, it would be to say, I don't understand how that works out for everybody else, but I'm going to onboard that as our relationship. I have a relationship with a God who loves me no matter what I've done and wants to hook me up. And I'm going to take that. I'm going to take the money and run. And that's what I would encourage you to start with this. I think it's a fantastic place to kick things off. And Jed, where do we go from there? I actually want to pick up exactly where, where Lee left off. And that is, let's do a thought experiment for a second. If you woke up tomorrow, just convinced to the core of your soul. And I don't mean hyped up with a lot of religious feelings. I just mean like this matter is settled and I am aware of what it has landed. Absolutely certain that God loved you, accepted you right now today and wanted you to have an amazing, meaningful, fulfilling life. Again, you woke up tomorrow, not with amped up emotions, but just, you just knew in your soul that that was true. What would you do? Mm. What would you do differently? What would you do the same? What would you do? What would your life look like if you woke up certain of those things? There's not a right answer to that. There's also not a wrong answer to that. There's just your answer to that. But you should think about what that question is. And let me now add on a second one. If you felt certain that strength, courage, and tenacity were available to you as needed, How would you spend those resources? What would you do with that? I really want to encourage you to think about that. People make decisions based on the resources they think are available to them. I'll give you a couple examples, right? Like people who don't think it will ever be possible for them to retire don't generally plan for retirement. Um, People who are convinced that they'll have plenty of money to retire on do make retirement plans. People who think that there is a 0% chance of them being able to get and afford tickets to the next Taylor Swift tour, they don't bother to ask for time off from work for that show because they're already convinced that they're not going. Whereas people who have a lot of money and they know a guy, they've got those dates blocked off on their calendar already because uh, one way or another, they're going. Neither of these people know the future. Uh, Time and chance happens to everybody. That's right in the Bible. People's expectations about the resources they will or won't have access to massively impacts the decisions that they make to the positive and to the negative. God does not in any way promise that you will get rich. I know that that is a thing that is going around in the church worldwide at this point, and dude, that is not in the Bible like at all. God does promise that he will give you strength when you need it. And that he will give you courage when you need it. And that he will give you tenacity when you need it. In fact, again, to take it even further and more specific, the Bible is clear that the fruit of walking with God is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's a lot of great stuff. If you knew you would have access to those things, what would you do? The world is full of people who are investors. They've got a bunch of money, and they spend most of their time figuring out what to do with it. They've got access to a bunch of land, and they spend a lot of their time figuring out what to do with it. If you can dig it, Jesus told multiple parables about exactly those kind of people. When Jesus was trying to describe the kingdom of God, he actually frequently is talking about investors who have been given a big chunk of money or whatever and then told, I don't know, 
Do something with it. Grow it. I'm not saying God's going to give you a big chunk of money. I probably isn't. I hope I'm wrong. Like I, I hope that you get like a ton of money. And when you do, remember your old friend Jed Brewer. Um, you can just make that check right out to, to that's one D Jed Brewer. But for ten percent of chunk, <laughs> exactly, the amount's ten percent right. of one chunk. I, I will happily be the recipient of your tithe. I, I don't think you're going to have to worry about that. But God is for sure ready to give you strength and courage and tenacity and a heart that is full of love and to give you peace and to give you kindness and to give you faithfulness. He is prepared for sure to give you those things. How do you invest them? What what do you do with them? And just as a, a preview of coming attractions, God would love to be involved in that discussion with you mm. of how to invest these things. And the adventure, all investing of any kind is an adventure. There are no sure things when you invest. God would love to be a part of that adventure with you and to be a team. What exactly does it mean that if God is for us, who can be against us in your life? I don't know. But I do know that God is prepared to give you things that are immeasurably priceless and can't be had any other way and to help you grow an amazing life for you and others as a result of investing those things. Say that. A wonderful, wonderful way to take that. Um, Again, I think there's a lot of fantastic stuff uh, these guys gave you on that. It is one of those things that is some of the Christian cliches, it is, is easy to brush them off to, especially I think this is one that is in the pantheon of things that the more someone is saying this with their chest, the more I am prone to not want to listen to other things they have to say, because mm. it's, it gets weird real quick when you're on the, if God is for us, who can be against us? Cause what are you trying to do that other people <laughs> are against is really a question that it warrants. But again, I think this is also one of those that really, the more you dig into it, uh, the more amazing stuff there is to be found in, in context in your own life. The the general idea of God being on your side, your side specifically, not even your side against something else. Um, sometimes the thing that's against me is me. I'm the <laughs> obstacle that God and I must overcome together. <laughs> I would point out that probably as much as anybody else is the obstacle, I am the obstacle as much as everyone else in the world combined. So. Uh, food for thought on that one. Uh, but it, I think, you know, you, you say an interesting thing in your question of, I know this is supposed to be encouraging, but I don't really get it. Sometimes that's enough. Sometimes it's, uh, this is said as kind of an unequivocally good thing. So let's, let's think about what it means in those terms. Well, it means God wants good things for you. Some days that's, that's all the encouragement you're going to wring out of that. And hopefully uh, that is, that is good encouragement to have. And then the days when you have the energy, when you have the the mental space to dig in deeper for it. These guys gave you a lot of great stuff to do on that front. Okay. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, the slash ask. We want to keep that entirely anonymous. Take you out this week with a song from our own Jed Brewer. It's called always, always, always Ooh, yes. listening. Just remember, we love you. God bless you. There's nothing you can do about it. I look at the threats and I look at the threats I've been hanging from and Jesus, how I shudder as they come undone. It feels like I'm falling and my hope is gone. But sure the one who's held me up all along. God, your hand is always on me. Even when I can't seem to see. The sure
Take me 